You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and I don't know if we can get this podcast published before the rumors turn into reality. We got all sorts of stuff to address the New York Yankees are pushing for a Matt Olson trade. We think those rumors are heating up even further. But what's this? Anthony Rizzo rocking Yankees gear at his event this weekend. We're going to be talking about what that means, whether we're pursuing one or the other, and whether the other shoe could drop as early as the end of this week. Justin Verlander and the Yankees, we entertained the possibility. We said this would go as far as Eric Cressy let it. Well, is Eric Cressy letting it go all the way to the finish line? Rumors came out on Friday. The Yankees are the now favorite for Justin Verlander, if the Astros decide against bringing him back in a divided clubhouse, now we're hearing the pitching market can move even quicker than we were anticipating. Eduardo Rodriguez left Boston this morning, and everybody seems to be thinking that Verlander is next and that the Bronx is the most likely destination. We'll break that down. And Carlos Correa, no longer the Houston Astros shortstop. It's official. He rescinded the qualifying offer, kicked it to the curb, and he removed the Astros from his Twitter bio doesn't mean something, doesn't mean nothing. Not really sure what it means, but it's certainly fun to see him no longer be a member of the franchise that has tormented us for so long. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinate, welcome to the podcast. Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo, or Freddie Freeman? Who's your guy? <sighs> I love the way that we're positioned in all these rumors. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <clears throat> it's not entirely – the offseason is going to – it's going to take a while to take off. But in the meantime, at the very least, if we're hearing the Yankees are going to spend, if we're hearing that they're in on these names that they're in on, that's good enough for me for now. I'd like to see stuff happen, but we got to be patient because we don't know what's happening with the CBA. They're talking February it's going to get resolved. Doesn't really matter. Just got to got to take it day by day. Um, but as long as this is the narrative at this point, I'm happy with it. Now, now though, I want Freddie Freeman, but we've always wanted Freddie Freeman because he's the best and he's the coolest and he's the nicest guy. Uh, but it was never realistic. We always thought he was going back to the Braves. Then we hear, was it old news that he rejected this six year, $135 million offer? Because I don't remember hearing that, um, which now we heard I, this is from Bob Nightingale, this, this, uh, his little column from the GM meetings, which is great. Um, now 
He thinks that we're going to get into a six-year, $200 million deal for Freddie Freeman. Um, and I would pay that. I would pay that for Freddie Freeman instead of re-signing Rizzo or trading for Matt Olson. Um, if the Yankees are going to go hard and they're going to spend, I'd take arguably the best first baseman in the league and the most durable first baseman in the league coming off a world series championship, lefty bat hits for average gold glove fielder. Um, I know it's expensive, but we're just talking money here. And if the Yankees want to hold on to these prospects and they think they have something good with it, you got to upgrade when you can. And Freeman's a clear upgrade over Rizzo. And if you want to talk about keeping some of your prospects and not going all in on multiple trades, then maybe you Back off the Matt Olson deal, and we heard about the Brian Reynolds rumors last week. If that's more of their style, then use the prospect splurge there. Spend extra money on Freddie. See what you can do on the shortstop market. I don't know, but I think Freddie Freeman entering the fold here kind of changes things because this is a guy who's durable. This is a guy who's – I just don't think his swing ages, dude. Like he's going to be swinging it nicely into his late 30s. So I'm fine dropping six years here. Um, this was, in my opinion, this was always the dream, at least for us, at least for like Yankee fans who are tuned into baseball. We just didn't think it was realistic. We mentioned it earlier in the year when it was like, oh, Freddie Freeman's a free agent after this year and the Braves haven't re-signed him for whatever reason. So does that mean we'll have a shot? And everyone's like, oh, you're a dumbass. No way, no way. But here we are. He rejected He rejected a long-term extension. We're in the offseason. I don't rule anything out after the stuff that we've saw over the last four or five years, dude. We didn't expect Trevor Bauer, even though we don't want him to play baseball ever again, to to sign with the Dodgers. Um, lot, uh, last year, lots of crazy stuff has happened. We never expected Mookie Betts to get traded. That happened. So don't tell me anything's not possible, people. I'm in for Freddie Freeman, though. What about you? O- Odell Beckham Jr. to the Rams. I don't <laughs> think everybody saw that coming. It's like it's, it, these, these, these things keep happening. Teams are popping out at the 11th hour. It's like you can't print anything until no. it's done. The Braves would be wild to let Freddie Freeman go. So so that's why we haven't even really broached the possibility. It's like the Yankees need a lefty swinging first baseman, and we're like, Rizzo or Olsen ignoring, like, the MVP winner who also just so happens to be a free agent, who also just won the World Series a couple of weeks ago because the Braves keep saying we want him back, and Freddie keeps saying I I want to come back at whatever price, and the people at the parade are chanting, re-sign Freddie and everybody's grabbing the mic and saying, "Resign, Freddie." It's, I don't know why I made a fake mic when I literally have a, a mic and I grab just a mime mic, but that's very stupid. <laughs> um, but all the Braves want Freddie back. Freddie wants to be a Brave. The Braves GM wants Freddie back. So I don't think we knew he rejected this deal uh, prior to a couple of days ago. But that, I mean, that's not the Freddie Freeman contract. He's, that's not going to be what he signs for. You're right. His swing is relatively ageless. Uh, John Heyman is the one who who noted that the Yankees have spoken to Freeman's agent. Is it Matt Olson leverage? Is it Anthony Rizzo squeeze box? Uh, I don't know if it's anything more than that, but it's certain. This is the first time we've been allowed to talk about it because there's been no previous connectivity that Freddie Freeman's people are talking to anyone other than the Braves for leverage purposes or otherwise. And now we finally do have connective tissue that's like, by the way, Freddie Freeman's people are playing this game too. So, you know, whether it's going to get played to completion, he ends up joining the Yankees or not. I know Freddie Freeman's people are now on the phones. I know Brian Cashman's leaving no stone unturned this offseason. All this is to say that it still does feel as if a resolution on the Olsen thing is right around the corner. Um, People are are buzzing about that in that November 19th deadline for Rule 5 prioritization is not going anywhere. That means the Yankees are going to either need to uh, get rid of several prospects in a trade or major league components like Luke Voigt. We talked about this last week, right? Voigt's got to go somewhere. Prospects have to go somewhere. Or it's Nick. you're making a decision on Nick Nelson. Or you're making a decision on Domingo Herman. But either way, the clock is very much ticking there, and the Olsen thing has to happen. Either the Olsen thing happens by Friday or it doesn't happen at all, which leaves you with Rizzo and Freeman, yeah. uh, which leaves you probably with Rizzo, which explains why – Rizzo's entire charity gala this weekend was rocking Yankees gear and was decked out in Yankees uh, paraphernalia, balloons, decorations, etc. Um, so, and, yeah, Anthony Rizzo had a charity walk. His shirts that he gave away at the charity walk featured him in a Yankees road jersey hitting a home run. His dad was wearing a Yankee hat. There were Yankee balloons at the festivities and the finish line, etc. Now, on the one hand, the logical brain says, yeah, the Yankees are the last team Anthony Rizzo played for what do you want him to print up shirts where he's just wearing a Boris core hat or like, uh, I don't know, like a big the complete, some teams colors that are, cause everybody's going to take whatever 
this yeah. shirt is as a free agent sign. So you're going to try to invent colors that no MLB team has. You're going to put them in a Dolphins jersey. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do here. But illogical brain says, sure, the shirts, whatever. It's it's a generic road jersey. But there's a lot of other stuff there. There's the, you know, you don't have to put up the balloons. The Rizzo Foundation has a logo. His dad doesn't have to be walking around rocking a Yankee hat. And Brian Cashman certainly was complimentary of Rizzo in his farewell to the season press conference where he was kind of like, we like to have him here. We'll see what happens. I think we all would like having him here. I think a lot of Yankee fans who are trying to replicate the 9 offseason are doing that annoying thing where they're now not only not quite satisfied with Rizzo, but angry about him. I think it's it's fair. It needs to be mentioned that like a regressing Rizzo playing good defense for four years, hitting somewhere between 110 and 120 OPS plus, he's going to be league average. He's going to be above league average all four of those years probably. He's probably not going to hit 45 bombs. He's probably not going to be an MVP candidate. He will be a step down from Olsen and Freeman, but you can win the World Series with Anthony Rizzo at first base as long as you have the right parts around him. The Red Sox just won the World Series with Mitch Moreland. You see tweets floating around saying, without a top 10 first baseman, that you know, you'll never have a World Series champion without a top 10 first baseman. You absolutely will, and you can, and it's highly possible. He is a step down from Olsen, other than the fact that he has done it already on a big stage. He has been a world champion Chicago Cup. He was a leader of the Yankees clubhouse down the stretch this year, which felt like it meant more in August than it meant in September. Like, you don't really want the leaders of the September 2021 Yankees to return. But bringing Anthony Rizzo back would not be the worst thing to ever occur, as some people are framing it. Uh, We're going to have a resolution to this one by end of week. I'm fairly confident because if we don't pull off an Olsen trade this week, we're not going to. And then it's Rizzo or this Freeman long shot. Well, trade has to happen this week, period. So, yeah, I wonder, you know, you got to wonder who it's going to be. And guys, come on, perspective here. If Anthony Rizzo is the third first baseman you want in this market at the moment, like you got to view that as a positive. How many players at the top of their game or at, or how many players at the best of their positions do you need? You don't need that many. This team already has Aaron Judge, probably the best right fielder in the game or one of the or one of two. If you're t- if you're talking Mookie Betts here. And then you got Giancarlo Stanton, who, when he's hitting to his abilities, will be the best DH. Um, and you have Garrett Cole, who's a top, hopefully, you know, five pitcher by, by next year. He hasn't entirely thrown that way. But, you know, you're talking about three guys who are the three best at potentially what they do. You don't need, you don't need now what? You need the best shortstop in the game, and then you need the best first baseman in the game, and then you need the best – you need a top three center fielder? No. It, it, that's not what this is about. This is about – getting guys on the margins who are going to be able to deliver where other guys have not been able to um, slash or just stay healthy. Cause the best, the best ability is availability in MLB when you're going through a 162 game marathon plus the postseason, which is in a, you know, sometimes an additional 15, 20 games. Um, and Rizzo's a durable dude, lefty bat. He's going to, he's going to be a tough at bat. He's going to be a tough out for the remainder of, you know, his, his middle thirties. So that's great. His defense, yes, he had COVID. Defense regressed a little bit. wasn't entirely the most promising thing in the world. That's not going to continue. He's, he'll come back next year. He'll be totally fine. Um, moral of the story, though, you don't need all of the top players at every single position. This team has the talent, like we talked about. They're totally fine. Got to make the right additions this offseason. And if Rizzo is the bottom of the pack here, victory. Yeah, he's probably not getting COVID again. If he does, I'm going to be learning a lot of things about COVID a year and a half in that I really don't want to be learning at this point. I mean, he, he could get it again. I don't think he'd be symptomatic. If he's symptomatic again, that means we got a variant on our hands. Uh, so that probably won't be the same problem uh, as it was this year. And you're right. You know, the 08, 09 offseason that everybody loves talking about mimicking was not get the best player at every single position. It was spend big to fill holes. Mark Teixeira was the best available first baseman. He wasn't the game's best first baseman. CeCe Sabathia was the best pitcher available. He was not the best pitcher in baseball. And the third piece of that triumvirate was A.J. Burnett, who was totally serviceable, pepped up the locker room. Everybody loved A.J., but what? You're, you added a top five starting pitcher, a top 10 first baseman, maybe top five, and then, you know, a top 
35 starting pitcher, that's the splurge we're talking about. So if you think Carlos Correa is the best shortstop in the game and you think that uh, Matt Olson is the best power hitting first baseman in baseball, you very well might be right. Freddie Freeman is probably, you know, the, the best, most consistent first baseman in baseball at this juncture. But if your offseason ends up being Rizzo, who's, you know, top top 10 to top 15 at the position, uh, Justin Verlander, who is certainly like a top 10 buzzworthy name, we don't know how he's going to be when he comes back and Corey Seager, who is a easily a top five shortstop in the game. That is very replicable to the 2009 offseason, as is uh, regardless of whether it's, you know, an Olsen splurge or a Brian Reynolds splurge, which seems less than possible, but you're not doing both of those things. And that's where it comes down to who would you rather have Olsen and uh, Starling Marte in center or Rizzo at first. And then you use the assets on Reynolds in center. It's a, it's a worthwhile discussion only because uh, of the assets involved, not necessarily, it's, you know, take the players aside. Don't think about the players. Don't think about who you like more in a vacuum. Just think about who you'd rather spend money on and who you'd rather spend assets on because Marte is going to be more expensive. Reynolds is going to be more expensive. Um, that's just a fact. Marte is going to cost more than Rizzo. Rizzo rejected the five-year 70 from the Cubs and that's going down, but five-year 70 is probably Marte's floor. Reynolds is going to cost Dominguez and Volpe and Olsen is probably not. So just think about that when you're thinking about how you'd like to fill out the roster. And it's so funny that that conversation doesn't even include shortstop, which is by far the Yankees number one need. And it doesn't even include starting pitching, which is not their number one need. They've got Cole Severino, Tyone, Nestor Cortez, Jr. Some guys at the back end, but it does feel like the thing that's poised to move just as quickly as the Olsen Freeman chase so let's talk Justin Verlander because we talked about the other day after his workout. This was just loose connections. We were just doing dots here. Yeah. We were just saying the last time Eric Cressy's guy had a showcase like this, it was Corey Kluber, and he came to the Yankees a couple weeks later, and the Yankees had to outbid a few people for a you know ten million one year contract and whatnot. It was the, it was Garrett Richards or Corey Kluber who's going to get the money. Turns out uh, that's a big yikes all around. We connected the dots. Everybody said Verlander looked good. Everybody told us who was there at the Verlander Showcase. It was the rivals. It was the Mets, Blue Jays, Red Sox. A lot of other teams the Yankees are competing with directly for the services of these top players. A lot of breadcrumbs there to make you think the Yankees were going to at least consider this. Then the Reddit users started leaking things. The Yankees are about to lock in Verlander on a two-year, $40 million deal. That didn't It sounded like a lot. Then it didn't sound like enough. Then the random Reddit post got deleted, and you realized you were scouring Reddit for breaking news and you're like who am i that's what have i become that that's nothing that's meaningless this weekend things move quickly this weekend friday we got a the usa today article that basically said um you know verlander is likely to reject the astros qualifying offer the astros are maybe split in the clubhouse on whether they even want him back considering there was that weird drama that we haven't touched on that much what is that? where uh, the Astros wanted verlander to throw out the first pitch in one of the playoff games and the clubhouse was like no he hasn't been here and it's like that's a pretty surefire way to show that you don't really understand yeah. your franchise history. Like the Yankees would welcome CC Sabathia back, I think to throw out a first pitch. I don't really know what that was all about, yeah. but if, if the Astros are going to be weird about it, then like, yeah, maybe Verlander moves on Nightingale. It was a Bob Nightingale piece, right? I'm not just throwing his name in there. No, that is. It was. Yeah. I mean, usually we don't love the Bob Nightingale stuff. And he, he did tweet that uh, Eduardo Perez, the ESPN analyst, signed a $77 million deal with the Detroit Tigers this morning. So uh, take it with a grain of take it with a whole bunch of grains of salt. Salt. Usually you don't just get one grain. Salt cover column. There. Yeah. A column cover the column and salt grains. <laughs> um, but he did say that the Yankees would be the favorites to sign Verlander, theoretically, if he rode away from the Astros. And it kind of feels like he will. And it kind of feels like, you know, Jeff Passan uh, on Monday was the one who really calcified this because he, he came on Talking Baseball and he said uh, he tried to prepare the host, said that Verlander might come to a team near and dear to your heart. He guessed Verlander to the Yankees. He doesn't know. But he said the market is moving very quickly. He said Verlander and Syndergaard get done by the end of this week. I agree Verlander and Syndergaard get done by the end of this week. Based on everything I'm hearing, this is moving extremely fast. So it has nothing to do with a Matt Olson deadline. But we really could end up a couple that with the fact that Passan also said Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon are going to sign before December 1st, before the CBA thing even pops off. And the Yankees in this slow as hell offseason could get really lucky and be done-ish by December, which would be unbelievably weird, and we would have to uh, rejigger our content schedule entirely. <laughs> but it is starting to sound like Verlander is going to be done very fast, 
and that the Yankees are the team most primed for his services, passing even through cold water on the Verlander Correa Tigers reunion stuff that's been going down lately. People, a, a crazy verified man with a checkmark tweeted Correa to the Tigers is done today, Monday, November 15th. Nobody else agreed with that. I, I do not think that's true. Um, there is literally no reason Carlos Correa should be signing on November 15th. That would benefit nobody in his camp. But the Verlander, all the if the breadcrumbs were lining up uh, like a week ago during the Eric Cressy stuff, this is now full loaves of bread in a line leading from the Yankees to Justin Verlander. We are going to take a quick break. Stick around. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. So where are you on this? Do you do you love it? Do you care? Does the money enter the equation at all? Or is the money sort of just a signal that whatever it is, the Yanks are going to spend a lot for the rest of the winter? Yeah, that's it for me because I don't care. The only time I cared about the money was last year. It's because you knew that they had a limit and then they gave half of that limit to Corey Kluber. And then you're just like, Why? Uh, now what now we're just not going to do anything else and that no, we're, we're not, not. going to get any better um so yeah so i have no issue with giving justin verlander a ton of money um i mean my issue is that we're going to be repeating history with kluber verlander they're of the same ilk they're Cy young pitchers as recently as two and a half three years ago um and they had the same injury situation. I know uh, Verlander was a little bit more serious, but uh, Kluber, before coming to the Yanks, had pitched in 36 innings uh, over the last two years, in 2019 and 2020, and Verlander has now thrown six since the start of 2020. Um, the dark thing the dark thing with Verlander, though, and I just like hate to even say this, is that when when Tommy John's the injury, it's no guarantee he comes back and he's yeah. just in Verlander. He is 39, but it yeah. also kind of feels like you got one out of the way. It's like, all right, well, he's not going to have Tommy yeah. John surgery this year, so yeah. let's get after it. No, that's it. I I, li- I do like that philosophy, and like Tommy John supposedly lasts 10 years, and I, Justin Verlander, I don't know how much longer he's going to last, but like you said, age 39 season. Um, he, th- he thinks he could beat the qualifying offer. I think he could beat the qualifying offer. Um, I... It just hinges on so many things for the Yankees. Like, is the rest of the rotation going to pan out? because you're going to have to weather probably two bad months of Justin Verlander. I'm not banking on him coming back and just dealing like he was in 2019 year after, uh, you know, after Tommy John surgery and now approaching 40 years old. Um, And like I said, last time too, I kind of feel weird. John boy mentioned it last week too. Like I feel weird buying the Astros who beat us in 2017 and now, like, that becoming the next core for this Yankees team, I don't know. You're still going to root for them because they signed them and they're on the team. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to have a problem with them getting better or getting better pitching. I think Verlander is a great one, too, to have with Cole. And you know what? The other, the other thing is, is that this isn't even the real Astros team because the Yankees should have had Cole that offseason in that trade. And the Yankees hmm. should have had Verlander because why didn't why were the Astros the only team interested in trading for Justin Verlander in that on that uh, waiver deadline in August? Any team could have afforded that. He was having an awful year. Oh my God! Yeah, I know, but still, it's like, both it's both money and sticky stuff. This is a double hand signal. <laughs> I don't really know what it's supposed to be. Uh, so I don't I, like. I'm torn on that front, but at the same time, if the team's getting better, but then you factor in. The uh, the other thing from passing, like you said, with Simeon and Seager expected to decide before December 1st. And yeah, theoretically, the Yankees could be done fairly early. But that makes me think. What are they going to is Seager going to be the one and then they're going to they're going to pivot from there and figure something else out. Maybe Seager's cheaper than Correa. I don't know. I really don't. I really have no idea how this is going to price out, Um, but I don't care about the money because they reset the tax. Anything that they go over is going to be charged minimally. So we're not going to have to hear about it. And then next year, you know, hopefully we're out of the clear with COVID for the most part. And we're, they're packing the stadiums 
Uh, they're not worrying about lost profits anymore because that's what this is all about anyway. Um, so not concerned with splurging, uh, not concerned with giving a 39-year-old a ton of money. Um, just concerned on the optics here. I don't want to like be Astros 2.0 or Astros 1.5 and having that define us as a team. But whatever we got to do, we got to do. That's the Yankees. That's the Yankees MO. You spend and then you figure it out after that. So I'm cool with it. I don't Cindergard, by the way, is accepting the qualifying offer. So I, he has to be. There's no way that he he's has not. To be. You get 18.4 million to rebuild yourself after a Tommy John year where you haven't pitched in almost two years. And then you haven't, you know, you're, you're one of the top, you're making a top salary. And then you, and then you take that into a, a potential multi-year contract the year after we're starting pitching going to be in demand once again. So um, interesting conversation to be had. If you had to choose between Verlander and Cindergard on a multi-year deal, I think that tips the scales a little bit. Um, but, you know, I talked earlier about avoiding them both just because of the in- injury concerns and the Yankees don't have good luck with it. I don't know why you chase something that you're not going to have good luck with, but if this is what they're going to do, we got to accept it and take it. Yeah, I think the common refrain among Yankee fans is they're going to be, you know, telling you Justin Verlander is going to suck if he goes anywhere else, but beating their chest if he comes here. Yeah. That, that's also fandom, but, like, I think that's fair. Like, there's a lot of reasons to think Justin Verlander won't be back to his old self. But additionally, in 2019, he was fucking awesome. Yeah. So, like, we're not talking about D. De- we're not – like, when people bring up – it's not – it's hitting my brain weird – when people bring up injury prone and Justin Verlander and the Yankees are shopping out of the bargain bin for like old man names that, you know, because that implies to me that it's been six years since Justin Verlander was great. And like, I know the world moves fast and and Twitter is full of children. And so everybody who's doing this to my brain is a kid. And so honestly, like they have econ homework and I don't even really need to give this the time of day. But it is just a bunch of people being like, the Yankees just shopping for all these old washed up dudes. Like, Justin Verlander is certainly old. He's definitely coming off Tommy John surgery. But 2019, it's two years ago. We've had one full season since then. I understand, you know, every everybody on Twitter is the object permanence of a baby. And when a player leaves the room for 15 minutes, it's like, I forget about that person. Justin Verlander is a Hall of Famer who is a near side. Uh, did he win the Cy Young? In he won in 2019. He was runner up yes. in 2018. And, uh, and he led the league in innings pitched in 2019. He led the league in whip in 2019 and 2018. And he led the league in strikeouts in 2018. So he should have been yeah. a back-to-back. He uh, honestly should have been a back-to-back Cy Young winner. Uh, he lost that year to Blake Snell, hmm. who had a fraud, who had a fraudulent season. So. Who is a fraudulent life <laughs> and is one of the least fun to watch pitchers in the game of baseball. Yeah. But uh, Justin Verl, yes. Okay, so he threw six innings in 2020. Um, I mean, who among us had normal 2020s? And then he had Tommy John surgery, which, again, is no longer a death knell for pitchers. It's a brutal surgery. It knocks you out for a year and a half, and nobody wants that. But once you rehab it, you typically come back stronger than ever, not in April, not in May, but you find your footing. And it took Luis Severino a long time to get back because Luis Severino's body was not working in concert with itself the way it should. Chris Sale hasn't come back yet, really, effectively, but... Chris Sale in the playoffs was throwing 98, six innings against the Houston Astros, got bombed at the end of his outing. But he certainly looked like the pitcher the Red Sox paid for, and that's after August, September, and that's it. So you're talking Justin Verlander, you need him right for August, September, October. He'll be back on the mound in April. He might not look like himself till June, but that would give you, you know, theoretically knock on wood, and you're watching me knock on wood. You, you know, you, this is a wooden table. stream. <laughs> Um, but like that would give you Cole Verlander, Severino, Tyone back. He'll be there by June. Like you'll have a top four of guys who are really like stunningly effective pitchers. Theoretically, and Verlander wants to pitch till he's 45. I don't know if he's going to do that, but the Nolan Ryan comps have always been there for Verlander. So you're really just going to tell me he's done at 39 in an era where we see athletes go above and beyond the typical age. Like Nolan Ryan was doing it to the age of 47, throwing a hundred with nothing. Tom Brady is eating like blue goop from a jar. He's at, he's going to be doing it till he's 48. And, and like, you know, the, the just because the Buccaneers lost to the Washington football team, you're going to make me rapid react and say Tom Brady's career is over. No, because Justin Verlander is coming back from Tommy John surgery and wants to pitch five more years. I don't know if he's going to do that, but the Yankees are only going to pay him to do it for two. This used to be what the Yankees did. They dropped Trow and they signed Hall of Fame pitchers like this when given the chance. And if it didn't work out, they would just eat it. That's why, like, the Aaron Hicks contract 
people are like, oh, what a terrible long-term deal. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not working out so far, but you know what they can do? Eat it. Turn him into a fourth outfielder making $10 million or trade him. Yeah. Jacoby Ellsbury went to another planet. It's possible for the Yankees to evade these contracts that aren't working out. And I personally think Justin Verlander has another one or two years left in him. We will see. Maybe he doesn't at all. But somebody's going to take – I guarantee you the Yankees aren't bidding against themselves here. Yeah. If this is moving fast, it's not because the Yankees are offering him $25 million a year and no one else is offering him over six. Mm-hmm. People want Justin Verlander because he was very recently the Cy Young winner – and yes, there is a chance this could puddle up in the Yankees' faces and be the move that a, a complete failure and a move that just does not move the needle whatsoever. But it also could be the $20 million difference between winning a World Series and not winning one. Yeah. So just keep that in mind when you're evaluating the Justin Verlander stuff. Um, I want to pivot to uh, Carlos Correa just because I do want to think about uh, what it means that Carlos Correa is on the move and what it means that that like is market is moving quicker than it might have seemed. Uh, Corey Seager right now is praying that the random verified man has nailed his sources here because if Carlos Correa signs this quickly and signs with the Detroit Tigers, Corey Seager's numbers are going to get massive because the Yankees cannot miss on both Seager and Correa. If they do that, they're going to have to pivot to Trevor's story. And if they miss on all three of those people, their offseason is over. Uh, so, Thomas Carinante, what say you? Carlos Correa's bio is now officially no longer the shortstop of the Houston Astros. Now just nothing. Now just a Puerto Rican shortstop open for business. It's pleasurable to see that. It's the kind of thing that gets the Twitterverse going. If he signs soon, Corey Seager is going to be a really happy man. Yeah. Um, I think this is just reaffirming what we believed anyway. He was never coming back. They disrespected him with the offer. They let these contract talks linger throughout the season. Um, you're not going to tell me that didn't affect them in the playoffs as you know they got to the World Series. You had to know these guys are looking at each other in the locker room, knowing that this is like the last time they might be playing with Carlos Correa, who's been you know one of the unquestioned leaders of this team for five, six years. Um <clears throat> I don't blame him. I wouldn't be returning to this team either. Uh, deliver them a World Series, been to five straight ALCSs, and you're going to get a weak sauce offer like that, especially because he's the youngest shortstop in this class. So you can offer him more years. It's not like, you know, he's going into his age 28 or 29 season where you, you, know, you're, you know you're losing three or four years on a 10-year deal. It's not the same thing. You sign him through these, his age 36 season, He'll be serviceable at that point. You're, you can't tell me Carlos Gray is not going to be able to hit the ball in his, in his late. He might not be able to field, but he's still going to be able to hit the ball. So you can't. Tell yeah. Me. So uh, good by him. Um, I think uh, the, the bio change, hey, the bio change is changing of the guard, dude. When you change your bio, that's it. That's it. That tells the world everything they need to know. You break up with your girlfriend on Facebook. You remove the Facebook relationship, dude. That's it. Everybody knows. The world knows. Um, and uh, I'm just thinking about having my girlfriend in my Twitter bio. Like those absolute sims yeah. that do that. Yeah. Like, loving husband to yeah. Twitter handle name. Like get out of my face. <laughs> it's always like verified authors who've written like 38 books. And you're like, where are you publishing these books? <laughs> Who are you? But yeah, Corey Seager will be thrilled that Carlos Correa signs because then Scott Boris is going to have a number where he's like, okay, like we're getting this or we're getting more. Um, And the, the, the belief now is that Correa could fetch the most. And that's what, that's what Boris likes. Cause whenever there's someone who's outbid uh, or who someone who in that, in that range or in, in the same position class gets a certain amount of money, he knows that's a springboard for him to work off of. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think I, I you know what I do disagree with though. There is one thing I disagree with. I don't think the Yankees uh, losing out on Correa and Seager is a death knell. I I think we're not I, I, not us. I think in general people are not giving Trevor Story enough credit. Um, mm-hmm. I know that his splits away from home aren't the greatest thing, but he's an athlete. He's a very good defender. Uh, you want to talk to me about him being injury prone, then you got to talk about Carlos Correa and Corey Seager being injury prone. They both, play, I think uh, Correa has played 500 games since the start of 2017. Um, and Seager's played like 445 or 450. So they haven't been on the field as often as they should have. I understand they rock the house in the postseason, um, but Correa has got the larger uh, track record doing that. Seager really only has 2020 of doing that. Still admirable, nothing to take away from that. But if you want to look at the totality of it, that's what I'm telling you. Trevor Story, consistent over the most of his most of his career. I take that bat in the lineup 
I take that. I take his passion and fire. He's 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 a crazy dude. I love his energy on the field, and I take his glove. I think the most important part here is the glove at shortstop. I don't think Trevor. I don't think there's any question with Trevor Story lasting here at shortstop for the next seven years. I think you have a bigger question mark with Cray and Seager, just given their frames and given their uh, and and given their injury history. And then you look at Javier Baez. Do I want Javier Baez? Is he my first choice? No, but like. We're talking consolation prizes, and you're talking about you know spending 150 million fewer dollars. Once again, not that I care about the money, but if the, that's how the Yankees are looking at that lens, Javier Baez very good shortstop. I know he's frustrating with the bat; he swings at some egregious nonsense, and he'll strike out in big spots. But very nice second half with the Mets. I know he was playing second base, but he seemed more comfortable in New York. He seemed more comfortable in an environment that wasn't full of distractions like Chicago was. So you put him in a winning situation like he is in New York, surrounded by a bunch of capable batters and other guys who want to win. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not down on anybody. I'd be, I'm feeling optimistic about regardless of who we end up with, because as long as it's a capable person, which all of all these four guys are, they're all very capable shortstops in, in some regard, they have different qualities here and there, but I don't think there's one, like yeah, you want Correa for the the energy and and the postseason and the postseason grit. Like Seager doesn't have the energy, and he showed you that he may have the postseason grit. Uh, Trevor Story doesn't have any postseason experience, but he's got the energy in the glove. And then you have Baez, who has postseason experience and helped lead the Cubs that year in 2016, um, and just battles with some consistency issues. But I think either way, because you're talking about a big price reduction when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to Baez and Story, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, because then maybe, maybe you go out and you give Max Scherzer forty million a year for two years. I don't know. We're talking about Verlander getting two for uh, uh, two years and forty million. Why are we not talking about throwing the bag at Max Scherzer? But may, maybe you do that if you save one hundred and fifty, hundred sixty million on a shortstop. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but that's something to consider. I don't view any of these guys as a loss for the Yankees. You obviously want one of the top two options. I understand that. Um, but you can't like, – like we're talking about the first baseman, Matt Olson, Rizzo, or Freeman. You're really going to power you, – you're going to power rank those guys and be upset with whatever one you get? You can't be. It's, it's an addition. It's a positive addition, and it's better than what they've, they've, they've had in the last four or five years. So you can't, you can't discount any of them. Yeah, Semyon's a big one too. Like yeah. you just don't know if he's a shortstop eternally, and that, that you know it's fine. It is what it is. I, I'd rather have him than Javier Baez. And Mets fans seem to have fallen in love with Javier Baez. Whatever it is, if they want him back, that's great. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think the story thing is interesting because what people don't talk about enough with Trevor's story is his value has plummeted. He he had value at the trade deadline that had already plummeted from opening day. That is already further plummeted to the end of the season. Why doesn't he just want to, like we, we talked about Simeon being the Yankee solution for paving the way for Volpe or Peraza, whichever one stays. Why wouldn't Trevor Story want to just do a big money two-year deal and open up this window again and enter the free agent market at a time when he doesn't have to compete with Carlos Correa and Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Javier Baez. He got Lindor out of there and he's like, great, one of five. Fantastic for me. Like, I don't know why, you know, I haven't heard that. That's coming from nowhere and nothing. That's just me saying that, but... If I'm Trevor Story and the Yankees sign Justin Verlander to a hefty two-year deal and then miss out on Seager and Correa and the Yankees come back to his camp and say two years, $55 million, what are you thinking? Like, why wouldn't you take that? $55 million, play with the greatest franchise in the world and maybe get another long – somebody else's shortstop hole is going to open up by 2024. Of course. And he's – yeah, and he's – I know the numbers aren't entirely there for him if you're looking at OPS plus at least because I know people are particular about that. 112 OPS plus for his career. His best season was 127 in 2018. I mean, if that's what you're going to nitpick, but guess what? He still steals 20 bags a year. He hits for average. He hits home runs and he, he puts runners across the plate. So you have to look at it that way too, especially if you're not saddled with an eight to 10 year deal. That's, that's a big positive right there. And they, the Yankees need guys who have multiple, multiple facets of the game that differentiate from what they have on the roster right now. And, Story's an all-around dude. Story and Javier Baez, the positive with them is that they're all-around players. They 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 can hit for our oh, story could definitely hit for average. Baez goes in, you know, street. He's hot, he's a hot and cold player. So that would be a disadvantage of him coming to the Yankees because the Yankees have a lot of hot and cold guys. But you steal bags, you play tight defense, you hit for average, all a plus for me. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. The you know, laugh all you want. We certainly will. The Yankees lost most of their speed from last year when they lost Greg Allen, Andrew Velasquez, and Tim LaCastro. Three yep. guys who like look those those should not be your major factors that that are the difference between contending and not contending. But the Yankees certainly got slower already this offseason, which is not good. Matt Olson doesn't fix that. Freddie Freeman doesn't fix that. Anthony Rizzo's return does not fix that. What can fix that is athleticism at shortstop, new center field options, and backups all up the middle, and, and a bench piece. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned, but the Yankees are certainly less athletic than they were when the season ended, which is not good because they were already very unathletic and spookily so. So we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. And the shortstop market, I don't think it's going to materialize as quickly as Mr. Verified thinks it will, and Carlos Correa giving an official goodbye with the bio change is probably more so a reflection of the uh, rejecting of the qualifying offer than it is of his willingness and readiness to change teams ASAP. But still, very funny, not the Houston Astros shortstop and will never be again. And like Mookie Betts, will be going into the Hall of Fame in somebody else's hat. Those are the perils of free agency. Mookie Betts, not a Red Sox, not a Red Sox to anybody. Won his won one World Series on both teams will be a Dodger for the next decade. Everybody growing up now will remember him a Dodger. Carlos Correa somehow only went, uh, depending on which record book you consult, either 1-2 and two in the World Series or 0-2 oh with a World Series win that never happened. Um, and that's it. I mean, you know, plenty of participation in the World Series with Carlos Correa, but he's likely to make more of an impact at his new home, yeah. unless it's Detroit and he just bottoms out, in which case he will be a Houston Astros Hall of Famer at the end of his career, or nothing, or he just won't make it. Uh, we'll see. We'll find out. Before we wrap... It is time to do a little bit of reflecting on the Boston Red Sox, who objectively got worse. They did. On Monday, they November did. 15th. Before everybody tries to spin this, Monday, November 15th, the Boston Red Sox are worse today than they were on Sunday, November 14th. They lost Eduardo Rodriguez on a five-year, $77 million deal. He went to Detroit. The Red Sox are scrambling, looking for pitching. They were in the group of finalists. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Angels, Tigers. For all the Red Sox fans that are going to say, we didn't want A-Rod back. A-Rod was, uh, he's done, he's over. We got Tana Houck. We got, uh, yeah, Garrett Whitlock going to the rotation. Because if there's one thing that's good for a contending team, it's making your bullpen way worse, kid. Make your bullpen suck to make your rotation good. Um, They're going to need pitching, and it's not Eduardo Rodriguez. He is gone. He's officially gone, gone, gone. They saw the metrics. They knew a breakout. Another breakout was on the horizon. They yeah. saw everything you saw. Armchair GMs doing the fan graphs. Eduardo Rodriguez weighted run average. Like the Red Sox saw that too. They wanted him. They know he's still good. Uh, and he's he's gone elsewhere. Now they have to fill that rotation hole somewhere else. But a special farewell to Eduardo Rodriguez from Yankees fans. Eduardo Rodriguez against the New York Yankees. Eight and six, 3.72 ERA in 21 starts, 23 appearances. That's Really good. It's good. And that guy's gone. That's yeah. it. That's that's all I'm willing to listen to. It's Andrew Heaney thing. Like, the Dodgers want to steal Andrew Heaney? He sucked with us. If he's good next year, great. He sucked with us. End of story. Eduardo Rodriguez is gone. The Red Sox are going to have to replace him. And if they do, great. For now, he killed us for his entire Red Sox career, and he's gone. So I'm going to celebrate. I don't need to hear any of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect reason to celebrate, and it's going to be even funnier because then you're going to have the Red Sox be like, oh, 15, 16 million a year for Eduardo Rodriguez. We don't need to spend that. Once again, caring about the finances yeah, of, huge of, of a behemoth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, we're going to pay him as much as Eovaldi. Well, Eovaldi was a steal, dude. Eovaldi should be a $20 million a year pitcher. Instead, Dombrowski, who you for some reason hate, got you a team-friendly deal with one of the best starters in the American League. So, um, you know, I was kind of on the fence about Erod for a number of reasons. Um, you know, his career ERA mark is 4.16, not really special. His whip car- always residing 1.3 range. Um, I'm a big whip guy, especially with starters. Um, the more players you're putting on base, the more traffic you're getting on base just isn't really the best thing in the world. But you look at Erod, who is only 28 years old. So the Tigers are signing him through what you can expect to be largely his the remainder of his prime 29 through 33 Um, again, like we're discussing before with signing Correa, you're not really losing value on this contract. You're not go, you're not going into the sunk cost years being like, great. So we'll just sign this guy. And then, you know, the final, you know, three to four years are going to suck. And that's what life's going to be. You're not really getting that with Erod who's kind of consistent across the board, not the greatest pitcher in the world, but guess what? Productive, very productive. And, 
you look especially what he did in 2021. Not the most special season in the world, but guess what? He had a rough bout with COVID in 2020, didn't play any of that season, and he was supposed to roll after a career year in 2019. Finished, I think, sixth in the Cy Young voting, career high in innings pitch, eclipsed the 200-inning mark for the first time in his career. It was uh, his age uh, 26 campaign, I want to say. Um, struck out a ton of bat. He strikes out a lot of batters. He has a he has a four pitch mix. He uses all those pitches very consistently. He knows how to throw hitters off balance. I'm not saying this guy is an irreplaceable figure. I'm not saying the Red Sox the Red Sox should be devastated they lost him. But guess what? You got to replace him somehow. And I don't know if there's many other options that are going to be cheaper. Who are you looking at? Kevin Gossman. He's he might cost more than than Eduardo Rodriguez. And he's also not a left hander. Alex Wood. Okay, maybe he'll be cheaper, but he's not. He sure as hell not going to be as consistent and effective than nope. than uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was. And you look at his look. If you're a Red Sox fan and you have Heim Bloom as your GM, who is advanced metrics guy, cost effective dude, you look at Eduardo Rodriguez's advanced stats: a three point eight three career FIP, which is better than his career ERA. His expected ERA every single year, except for his rookie season, was lower than his regular ERA. He, he was in the top 10 percentile of the league in exit velocity among pitchers the last two seasons that he's pitched full years. Um, and uh, he had promising per, uh, and he gives up uh, he gives up uh, hard contact less than one third of the time. Um, in that category, I believe he was in the top eight uh, percentile of the league in 2019, which was his best uh, his best season to date. Um, so those are positive metrics if you're talking about value, if you're talking about, you know, Looking at looking looking at it from a cost perspective, fifteen million a year for a guy who I understand the reliability isn't there. He he's had some troubles with injuries. He he had he COVID kind of derailed what he was doing the last few years. But if you're talking about replacing production of a guy who can you know probably give you 160 innings a year, very effective, and give you postseason starts, he's very familiar with the postseason after these years in Boston. I just don't know how it's replaced and. Like you said, what you're going to make the bullpen worse, or you're going to rely on a younger starter to to give you 20 to 25 quality outings per year? I, I don't know about that. That's that's why that's why this is a win for the Yankees, in my opinion. The, the, he was good against the Yankees, and now the Red Sox need to replace somebody who was effective for them for the better part of the last like three years, um, and especially when it comes to starting pitching. It's hard to replace. You know, we're sitting here. We watch it every year. The Yankees, not only can they not replace guys in the rotation, but they just can't find effective guys in the rotation. The Red Sox had this effective arm in the rotation dating back to the Andrew Miller trade in 2015. So he's been there for a while. Um, They give him the qualifying offer. He rejects it, and he's out of town. He's out of town like two days later. So what does that say about his relationship with the team? I don't know. That was fast. That happened fast. I'd I'd like to hear a little bit more about what happened here because – I understand you want money, dude. You see an eighty million dollar offer from from uh, an up and coming team. The Tigers are up and coming. Where I, I, they yeah. have a promising trajectory, I think. Um, and money talks, I will say, but it appears that the Red Sox didn't value him as much as another team was, and they wanted to give him maybe short, uh, fewer years, and uh, a little bit of a chunkier AAV. I don't know what it was, but. I'm not going to go out and outright say this was a mistake on their part just because we haven't seen this materialize, but I'd like to see how they replace replace this production with by spending less money or by getting a marquee option because I don't think they're going to outbid anybody for a marquee option and I don't know if there's anybody cheaper in the middle tier than Rodriguez is going than Rodriguez went for, so you tell me. I don't know. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot about how much fun it is to have a reliable number three. Uh, you, you had one for a long time. You know, Rodriguez is not an ace. He's not the kind of guy you go no. to a series scared of. But every Yankee fans, how many times have you stared at the scoreboard and gone, we got Erod on Saturday? Great, we can win that game. And then <laughs> six innings, two runs, you just absolutely do not win that game. More often than not, nope. he, he at least gets into the bullpen. And if the bullpen is strong enough, the Red Sox win that game. Every start he makes, by and large, is going to keep his team in the game. And now... Uh, that very important peg for 180 innings a year has been has been taken out of the Red Sox hole, and, and they're going to have to replace it. They're going to replace it with a rookie. Is Garrett Whitlock a starting pitcher? Like I know he is, but is he? Because I don't know I don't that know. from his major league uh, contribution so far. Never seen him go over two innings. I don't know anything about that. 
I, you, you'd hope, you'd think, but I don't know. Tanner Houck tires by his second time through the order. I, I don't know any of these things. These are some unknowns for a team that was doing a lot of bragging at the end of the year. And I certainly am not sad to see Eduardo Rodriguez go. I know I should be more used to the Red Sox letting these guys out the door. They, they traded Mookie freaking bets, but uh, I still am not used to it. And I still will go, oh my God. Andrew Benintendi's gone. Jackie Bradley Jr. You don't have him anymore. He's gone. Eduardo Rodriguez gone. Okay. A very interesting, very weird. Uh, and we'll see what happens moving forward with the 2022 Boston Red Sox. But more importantly, the 2022 Yankees. I've been checking Twitter this whole time. This episode's been recorded without breaking news. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, somebody. No, I don't got one. I got nothing. I'm, I'm just. I got one. one. Well, really? not pertaining to the Yankees. Chris Yankee Taylor declined yeah. his qualifying offer. Yeah. Chris Taylor also declined his qualifying offer. Yankees want him. Yankees fans want him. Just saying. Yeah, that's that's another that is another good one. But like we, I'm just saying we got from beginning to end without like a huge bomb, yeah. and that's great. Um, hopefully this gets edited by the time Justin Verlander signs. Because I'm tell I tell you what, I tell you what, man. Um, I, I don't know. I would not count on Justin Verlander making it to Thursday unsigned, and I certainly can't count on Matt Olson making it to Friday untraded. So we will see what happens until that Thursday live show. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Join us on the live stream, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Monday afternoon, Thursday afternoons, all off-season long. We'll expand that to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when the season begins. Although it ain't the off-season, the real season, folks. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us in our bylines at yanksyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. A lot of off-season stuff. We're trying to connect the dots, keep our finger on the pulse. Um, also, talk to us in the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account, uh, at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, pop in the chat when we're live here. Uh, once again, Mondays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Um, and the next time we'll talk to you folks is on Thursday. So, uh Be on your toes. Stuff's going to happen in the next few days, and we're going to be happy to report it for you. Yes, we will. See y'all on Thursday. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.